Amen. What a wonderful day to be in the house of the Lord. Indeed, it is great to be back with you. For those of you who are wondering, I am Todd Wiggins. I am uh, uh, here again, and no, the dirt didn't wash off from Sashaki. So uh, I told someone this morning I was just trying to cover up the ugly. And uh, that, that seems to have worked a little bit. As we come today, it is good to be back in the house of the Lord. And one of the things this beard reminds me of is all the cold showers, all the, the times where there were little water in the showers or even waterless showers at times though, as we served there in Sashiki. And as we come this morning, there are moments in time that define us, that help to shape us and form us. And I want to lift all for you just a few of those dates, and I want to see where you were, what you were experiencing, the emotions that you remember from those days. Now, I understand that not everyone will remember these dates because some of us are older or more experienced than others. But as we go through, I want you to listen and just think back to where you were. See if you remember what was going on and what you were experiencing in those moments. The first date, December 7th, 1941. You remember where you were when that story broke that indeed the Japanese bombers had attacked Pearl Harbor, Hawaii. The second date of June the 6th, 1944, when you heard about the sterling invasion that was taking place there on the beaches of Normandy as D-Day was unveiled. Do you remember where you were and what was going on? On that day, November the 22nd of 1963, do you remember seeing and hearing the message that President John F. Kennedy had been assassinated there in Dallas? For the first one that I can remember, it was a special day. I remember sitting there at the television and watching in the middle of nowhere, Georgia. And I watched on November the 9th, 1989, as the announcement had been made. And just a few years earlier, President Reagan had stood before the Berlin Wall and he had said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. And I remember watching the East Germans and the West German uh, Germans accomplish that task on that day. Where were you? Nine one one, two thousand and one. Do you remember the images of those planes being flown into the building? Those, those images of the buildings coming toppling down as people jumped to their peril and death. These are dates that shape us. These are dates that inform us. These are dates that indeed guide us in in seeing and understanding the world in which we live. But even more important, we have other dates in our lives that shape us and form us. You remember the day on which you exchanged vows with your beloved and the two flesh became one flesh before God and before men. You remember that date when you held For the first time, those precious children that God has given to you. You remember that date, that place, that time? Do you remember where you were when God moved upon your heart? When He convicted you of sin? When He showed you and told you the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ? When He moved you to repentance and to faith in Christ? And from that day to this day, it has changed everything. You remember where you were? 
You remember what happened and how that felt? See, we have dates and events that define our lives, that change us and mark us forever. We have things that make us who we are. And the reality is that the transformation we have in Jesus Christ should shape and form us for the rest of eternity, for the rest of our lives, because for the rest of our lives, we should give ourselves to witnessing and testifying to the transforming power that changed me from being just an ordinary sinner into a wonderful saint, a son or daughter of the living God. As we come today, we remember the most majestic of all those days, that day when we give, gave our heart and our life to Jesus Christ, when He saved our souls, delivered us from the darkness and decay of this world into His kingdom of glorious light, when He made us sons and daughters of the Most High, when He gave us a new hope, a new life, and a new start. Let me ask you, is that day still being lived out in your words and in your works every day? That's a question. Is your witness on a daily basis living in the power of the gospel? Is your life consumed with having good words and good works that testify and show the transformational power of that glorious gospel of Jesus Christ? In the words of Scripture, we are told that we are not to leave behind these good words and these good works. We are to walk in them. We are to be witnesses. Sharing God's gospel in the midst of our good works. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Titus chapter 3, verse 8, and let's look and see that challenge, that command that the Apostle Paul gives to us in this word of Scripture as it touches our hearts and lives and tells us how we ought to live in light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's stand now for in honor of the reading of this God's holy and inspired word. It says in Titus chapter 3, verse 8, This is a trustworthy statement. And concerning these things, I want you to speak confidently so that those who have believed God will be careful to engage in good deeds. These things are good and profitable for men. This is a trustworthy statement. And concerning these things, I want you to speak confidently so that those who have believed God would be careful to engage in good deeds. Father, let us believe you today. Let us believe in that power, life-changing gospel power of Jesus Christ. Let us give our hearts, our lives unreservedly to be lived for you. Let each day that we live be a witness of that transforming work in our hearts and in our lives. Father, we pray that you would illuminate this passage in our hearts and lives today, that you would cause us to understand it, to apprehend it, to apply it into our lives. And Father, that you would change us so that we might go out different than we came in. Lord, may you speak to our hearts and into our lives now. Father, we ask now, as always, that you would speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. We see in this passage that we must be careful as Christians that our witness to God's gospel through our good words and our good works would be 
profitable for our church, for our community, and for our world. Indeed, it is important for each of us to take stock, to take account of each of our words and our works because ultimately they should be used or profitable by God for the furtherment of His kingdom. And so as we come today, we must be careful and measured in what we do and what we say so that in each and everything that we do and say, God might get the glory and the gospel might go forward as we come today. Indeed, it is our desire. It is our goal as individual Christians that indeed those who know us but do not know Jesus might come to know Jesus because they know us. Is that your heart today? Is that your goal? In the midst of your life, where you are, what you are doing, in the midst of where you work, in the midst of where you go to school, in the midst of where you are given to live your life and to serve Jesus in this world, let me ask you, is that your goal each and every day that those who know you but don't know Christ might come to know Christ because they know you? Paul says, listen, you need to take stock of your words and your work. And you need to be very careful to show the gospel of Jesus Christ as a power of transformation in your life so that not only you would be able to glorify God by your good works, but others might come to the gospel through your good words and your good works. This morning, as we look at this passage, we are going to see two marks. First of all, the trustworthy words that are to be confidently spoken. And secondly, trustworthy works that are to be constantly shown. Let us begin with the trustworthy words that are to be confidently spoken. And we see there in verse 8, we see that Paul begins by telling Titus that the truth of God's gospel should indeed be constantly and confidently affirmed within the life and the heart of himself and of all the church. Indeed, all of those who are Christians, all of those who name Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, indeed should affirm the gospel transformation that has happened through that glorious message of Jesus Christ and redemption. Look at verses 4 through 7. For there in that passage, Paul is telling us of that transformation that comes to the one who believes in Jesus Christ. Chapter or verse three, he begins with what we were before we came to Christ. We were foolish. We were disobedient. We were deceived. We were enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. If you are here this morning and that describes you, let me tell you, there is hope because listen to the next three verses. It says, but when the kindness of God, our savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us, not on the basis of what? good deeds that we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out richly through on us through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. That's a power packed passage, people. That's something to stand up and shout about. That's something to glorify. Hey, listen, here's what I was. I was foolish. I was disobedient. I was enslaved to the desires of this world. But now God has set me free. And He has done it not because of who I am and how good I am. He has done it because of who He is and how good He is. He's given us grace. He's poured it out richly. He's made sinners into saints. And now we should walk in that. And yet sometimes when we read our Bibles, we read our Bibles either sparingly or carelessly. 
And we just skim over things and we fly past important statements and truths that ought to make a mark in our hearts and in our lives. In reality, we should stop and meditate on them. We should mark them down. We should mark out a path that they lead us to live in the midst of the world. We should change course and change direction because the Word of God has spoken into our lives. It has shown us who we are and it has shown us who God wants us to be. But we often just Skim over it. We skip past it. We move on and we don't think about it. But I want you, as we think about that, to think of it about how we do that with the stars in the sky, the sunrises and sunsets. Don't we just sort of run past those things in our daily life? After all, we're too busy to stop and take note of those things, aren't we? I mean, isn't it amazing? The stars in the sky are there every night, but how many of us really spend a lot of time in the course of the average week going out to look at them? Well, just imagine if those glorious celestial bodies that are moving at at major speeds of light through the course of the universe, just imagine if they weren't visible but once a year or once a decade. Or once every century. Or once every millennia. Imagine if just once every thousand years you could go out and see the stars in the sky. You wouldn't take it so lightly. You wouldn't rush past it. You wouldn't ignore it. You would make a mark and you would cherish it, wouldn't you? Paul says, hey, don't rush past the gospel. Don't rush past these words that I have spoken to you. Mark them down. This is a trustworthy saying, and it should be confidently spoken in the same way. Imagine if the Bible was not at our fingertips, if we were one of the thousands of people groups all around the world that has no viable gospel witness in the midst of their own language. Imagine if we were one of the thousands, uh, thousands of people groups who have no translation of God's word so that we could read it on a regular basis. What would change? We would desire it. We would want it. We would hunger and thirst for the Word of the Lord to come and to deeply impact us, wouldn't we? It would change our desire. It would change how we saw these times where the Word of God is poured out before us. See, our temptation with the stars is to say, well, they're just there. They're just there. Our temptation with sunrises and sunsets is to say they're just there. But the stars and the sunrises and the sunsets are wonderful, beautiful displays of God's gracious glory in the midst of our world. In the same way, the Word of God should never be just there. It should be a glorious display within our lives of the gospel message. And it should be apprehended. It should be appreciated. And it should be appropriated within every area of our life. And we ought to desire to share it with all of those around us. Praise God for our Sunday school teachers who come week after week and they pour themselves into preparing messages, into studying the Word so that they then can break the bread of life to you so that you wouldn't rush past it, so it wouldn't just be there, but it would be in your hearts and in your lives. Praise God for pastors that will do that. Praise God for deacons who are making ministry opportunities so that that can be done in the midst of our church body. Praise God for those who are giving themselves sacrificially and serving in our nursery, in our children's department, in our our youth department. Praise God for those who want to step up, step forward, step out, and share the gospel. Aren't you thankful for them? Isn't it great? 
that people don't just say, everybody doesn't just say, well, the Bible is just there. See, when we share our salvation story, when we study the word, our appreciation for God's work and of grace and mercy skyrockets. In Jude chapter 6, the word of God says, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Did you notice that when you share Jesus Christ, it's not only a benefit and a blessing to the person that needs to know Christ. It is a benefit and a blessing to who? To you. Because you're reminded of who He is and what He has done in your life. If our walk with Christ seems dull, if it seems dry, if it seems that it's degenerating, maybe it's because we've not been as active as we should be in sharing our faith. For every time we tell someone else of the faith that, uh, that we have in God's grace through Jesus Christ, we are reminded of God's work in our own life. We are reminded of just how much God loved us. He He loved us enough to send His one and only Son so that you could have life, so that I could have life, so that sinners might be brought to be sons and daughters of the Most High. Listen, if we keep it to ourselves, if we never talk about it, the reality is our salvation can begin to tarnish in the midst of our souls because it loses its luster. We forget just who we were and what we were and how God worked to redeem us. Remember that day. Remind yourself of that day. Look to it often. Likewise, if we as a church become inward focused instead of externally focused, then we will also lose the joy of our salvation and begin to pick each other apart. We will begin to nitpick at things and pull each other down. Did you know that the church is the only body that exists within this world for the benefit and the blessing of those who are not members? First of all, we exalt and extol Jesus Christ and Him alone. We worship Him in spirit and in truth. We praise our church triune God that he has brought us into a right relationship with him we gather to praise and to worship him but our second goal is then to take that message of redemption to every man woman boy and girl within this community and the next community and the next community and into all of our country throughout our continent and to the ends of the world that's what God wants us to do he wants us to focus on carrying that that message outside but if we stop focusing on on that and we start to focus only on ourselves then we lose our external focus and internal friction will inevitably wear us down indeed every ministry of this church must stress the absolute importance of salvation by grace alone through faith alone in jesus christ alone and each event must maintain a balance of being able to glorify god and to provide an opportunity to worship him in spirit and in truth and also to evangelize those who are not part of us children let me tell you this morning you are a part of god's team if you have been redeemed by jesus christ he has a part for you to play in ministering to those within this community to reach out and to share the gospel with those around you teenagers let me tell you this morning god has a part for you to play you're a part of his team an integral part to reach out and to share the gospel and to bring others to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Adults, let me tell you this morning, you're a part of God's team. He's got a place for you. He's got a purpose for you. 
let me ask you, are you willing to speak the truth confidently? Are you willing to share these trustworthy statements that are to be spoken confidently? See, we have a great and majestic statement that should be spoken with bold confidence. God has saved us and He can save you too. It doesn't matter who you are, where you are, or what you've gone through. God has saved us and He can save you too. Is it breaking your heart that there are those within our community this morning, some 25,000 plus, are in Goldsboro and yet they are not in a house of worship? Does it break your heart that there are people on your street this morning that do not know Jesus Christ and are not living for Him and you have never shared your faith with them? Is it breaking your heart this morning that you have family, you have sons, and daughters, grandsons and granddaughters who do not know Jesus Christ, who are not living for Him, who don't know these trustworthy sayings, are you willing to give everything so that they might know these sayings? So that they might be saved as well. Let's stress this salvation story and let's not let up. For indeed, we are to speak these trustworthy words with bold confidence in the midst of our daily lives. But secondly, we also see in this passage that we are to have transformed works that are to be constantly shown. Transformed works that are to be constantly shown. We sang about this this morning. We read that passage in Ephesians 2, 8 8, uh, through 10 that indeed God has prepared good works for us to walk in uh, even beforehand. And as we come in this moment, we understand that as recipients of grace, we are to be givers. We are to be givers. Why? Because we have received much. And so as we come, we understand that worship should naturally lead to work. Because we are worshiping God, because He he has brought us into a right relationship with Himself, because He has been so gracious and good to us, we are then to serve others just as He has served us. Salvation expresses itself most naturally in acts of service. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16 reads this way. It It says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and do what? Glorify you? Glorify others? Glorify Adamsville Baptist Church? No. They should see your good works and they should do what? Glorify your Father in heaven. Let me ask you, does every work of your hand, does every word of your mouth point to Jesus Christ? Does it point to Jesus Christ? Does it make a difference? Do the people who see you know that you love and serve Jesus Christ? Indeed, the most basic message one of the commentators said of Titus is this this message about good works. And this is a baseline for the passage. But understand that good works throughout the book is expected of those who are Christians. First of all, in Titus chapter 2, verse 7, we see that good works are an example to others where it says, in all things show yourself to be an example of good deeds with purity and doctrine, dignified, sound in speech, which is beyond reproach so that the opponent will be put to shame, having nothing bad 
to say about us, you be an example. Good works are an example to both the church and to the community around us. Good works also in Titus chapter 2 verse 10 adorn the gospel. They make the gospel beautiful. It says this in verse two, or chapter 2 verse 10, so that in every way they will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. Our good works glorify, they adorn the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Titus 2.14, we also see that the purpose of Christ's death was to make people enthusiastic to do good works. Have you ever thought about that for a moment? That the purpose of Christ's death was not just to save us, not just to make us sons and daughters of the Most High, but actually to make us enthusiastic, energetic about doing good works. It says, who who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. How eager are you to go and to do good works so that the gospel might be shown? We also see in Titus 3.1 that believers are expected to do good works. It says there, remind the people to be ready to do whatever is good. In Titus 3.14, we also see that our own needs are met when we do good works in Christ. It says there, our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good in order that they may provide for daily necessities and not live unfruitful lives. We ought to be fruitful in the gospel. We ought to give ourselves not only to loving God, but doing good works to, uh, towards others so that they might see and know Jesus Christ. For good works is indeed a baseline for the Christian life that should be lived out. To be careful in this passage means to ponder, to consider carefully. Indeed, we understand that sometimes it's difficult to, difficult to do some good works. Indeed, Operation Christmas Child, for those of you who participate year after year, it's a wonderful ministry, but it doesn't just happen off the cuff, does it? You actually have to think about it. You have to plan and prepare in your heart to actually participate in that ministry. You have to go out and get a box. You have to go out and buy the stuff to put in a box. You have to fill out a check so that you can send that package all around the world. But understand, when you pack that box full of that love that you have for those needy kids, you are not just ministering to the physical needs of those kids. You are actually reaching out with the hand of Christ to minister to the their spiritual needs because with every box goes the gospel of jesus christ it's a good work but it takes thought it takes planning it takes preparation we need to be the same way in the midst of our lives for those that minister each day without being seen by being a friend to those who have no friends by serving those who cannot serve themselves by caring for those who cannot care for themselves by going and cleaning for those who cannot clean for themselves by going and shopping for those who cannot shop for themselves you are showing the love of jesus christ and let me assure you our father in heaven sees and knows that. Matthew chapter 6 verse 4 says that indeed he who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Ask God to help you be spontaneous in doing good, but understand this. If you're intending to do good, if you're intending for the gospel to go forward through you, then you need to purpose, you need to plan, you need to prepare to participate in the good works that will send the gospel all around the world. What a wonderful blessing as I contemplated upon our church and our location and what we have done in ministering to and 
providing and meeting needs within the community and doing good works in the midst of our community, able to remember uh, not only those mission trips, seeing our children, hearing our children come back and talk of the ministry there in Norfolk, Virginia with, with world changers as they went out and they shared the gospel. They passed out tracks even in the midst of traffic as we share and, and saw God working in our international world changers trip and ministering to Sasheki, Zambia in the midst of that seeing people come to know and receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. What a wonderful thing. But you know, it's just as wonderful. It's just as great when our Sunday school classes year after year adopt people within the community who are in great need when we have a Sunday school class that takes up nearly $2,000 so that needs can be met, so that ministry can be done. And even if nothing else comes out of it, one person last year came to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior through that ministry. That's good work, Adamsville. That's what we are here for. That's what we are to do. This gospel ought to be lived out in the midst of our lives. Through these significant sacrifices, God inhabits the praises of His people and He drives His gospel message forward. Praise God that He has given to us everything, everything including life and breath and health and provision and salvation. Warren Wiersbe says it this way, the best way a local church has to witness to the lost is through the sacrificial service of its members. Praise God. For those who are willing to sacrifice, sacrifice their money, sacrifice their time, sacrifice their abilities so that God's word can go forward so that the good works that display God's love can happen each and every day. See, the message of this passage isn't you do good works and you get in. The message of this passage isn't if you trust God and do good works, then you'll be justified and you'll get into his kingdom. The message of this passage is if God has saved you, if he in his goodness, love and mercy has reached down and changed and transformed you and made you a son or daughter of his and he has made you new, then you now have a goal. You have a mission. You are to go and to serve and to love and to extend Grace and mercy to others. See, God was kind to us when we didn't deserve His kindness. God was good to us when we didn't deserve His goodness. God was loving towards us when we didn't deserve His love. He was merciful towards us when we didn't deserve His mercy. God's power has transformed us through the work of the gospel. And now we are to be witnesses in both our words and our works. The best exercise for the Christian heart is this, to bend down several times a day and sacrificially serve others in the way that Jesus Christ sacrificially served us. I deserve death on a cross as a sinner, violating the holy commands of God. But God in His love and His mercy and in His grace gave Jesus Christ to bear the penalty of my sin. Jesus Christ came to serve, not to be served. And in the same way as I walk out of this, these doors this morning, I am to go out to serve, not to be served. That makes every difference in our life. 
First Peter chapter 2, verse 12 says, Live such good lives among the pagans that though they may accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day He visits. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13 say, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God which works in you both to will and to do His good pleasure. When you have the opportunity, listen, you reach out in Christian love to those who are hurting. When you have the opportunity, you you reach out in mercy to those who are perishing. When you have the opportunity, you reach out in grace to those who could never repay you. And when they ask, why are you doing this? You explain to them, I am doing this because God has done this to me. Plead with you today. Don't let these scriptures be just there. Appreciate them. Apprehend them. Appropriate them in such a way so that all those who know you but don't know Jesus might come to know Jesus because they know you. Let your light so shine before the world that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Let all those who see you and know you but don't know Jesus come to know Jesus because they know you. Father, lead us in this time of commitment. Father, direct our hearts and intentions. Lord, teach us that every moment of our lives, we need you. We need you every hour to fill us with your power so that we can testify of the goodness and grace in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, lead us to be a church that makes an impact in this community, in this city, in this country, and in this world. Lord, let our words and our works be the witness of your glorious gospel each and every day of our lives. Lead us in this time of commitment. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together in our closing.